Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional from the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast, Australia, Professor Selena Bartlett. Selena, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Professor Bartlett is a group leader of addiction and obesity at the Translational Research Institute, uh, the Institute of Health and Biomedical Innovation, and, and a professor in clinical studies at the Queensland University of Technology. She's a widely published author and commentator on addiction, obesity, and smashing the mindset. So before we talk addiction and obes obesity, tell me a little bit about your own journey and what inspired you to get interested in addiction and obesity? So my journey, and I'm a pharmacist by training, mm -hmm. and in 80, 1989, my sister got a mental illness and she was put into a lockup ward and given an overdose of drugs. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like how she was treated. So I stopped being a pharmacist and I started becoming a neuroscientist. Wow. So I went back, I did my PhD in neuropharmacology. Then I did my postdoctoral training at the Australian National University in developmental neurobiology. Then I took my family to San Francisco and ran a research lab there for 12 years where I was developing drugs, uh, working with companies and at the University of California, San Francisco. And then I re got recruited back to Australia. Mm. Uh, and that's how I became a group leader. But my whole lab switched into neuroplasticity, mm -hmm. meaning the brain's a massive ability to change with training and effort and mm -hmm. our understanding that the brain is more like a muscle than we give it credit for. Mm -hmm. And that's my new work. And it's really called Thriving Minds. So I've moved out into and my podcast is called Thriving Minds. My work's called Thriving Minds. Um, and I work work um, in at, in a research lab too, where we're mapping all the changes. Mm -hmm. So the thing that drives me every day and why I still do it and why I travel the world and did all that training and continue to retrain myself is mm -hmm. because driven by my sister who ended up taking her life in 2006 from her illness because, and because of our lack of understanding of the brain and how mm -hmm. we treat people as a consequence. And mm -hmm. I know it can be different. And so my whole new world and life is dedicated to changing that conversation. Wow. Wow. And, you know, you did talk about uh, the brain being a muscle. And I remember speaking to someone else where they actually said we can train our brain um, quite a lot. But I wanted to ask you, can you explain how addiction and obesity are related? So, uh, so why did I end up big studying addiction and obesity is because they're the only ways that you can actually study the brain right now because the models to study other illnesses are not available. Whereas if you look at alcohol addiction or nicotine addiction or other drug addictions, you can actually add drugs to a system and study what's happening and changing inside the brain. And that's how I came to do that. So I my whole work in America was on alcohol addiction and showing the changes in the brain. Mm. And then our lab demonstrated that the nicotine cessation drug, which I'm not sure what it's called in other parts of the world, but it's called Chantex and Champex in Australia and America. Uh, we showed, we, our lab was the one that showed that that could reduce drinking. Mm -hmm. Then we went on to do clinical trials. Okay. So during that process, we were doing some experiments and we were using sugar as a control in the experiments. We end up showing that sugar mm -hmm. Too much sugar. This is added sugar, which mm. is in every soft drink and everything that people are drinking now, mm. changes the neural pathways in the brain in exactly the same way that alcohol and nicotine do. Wow. Okay. And that leads to people overeating. Mm. And it's the way people medicate their stress. And so that changed my lab. Um, we also went on to show that that too much sugar outside causing diabetes and heart disease and so many other chronic illnesses mm. uh, changes the physical structure of the brain. And no one ever talks about that. Mm. So everything I do is related to how the brain, the brain's involved. What would you say are some of the primary factors that contribute to addiction and obesity? The, the, we now know the cause. 
the primary factors are early childhood experiences that are in that aren't good mm-hmm. over many generations. Mm. So the addiction, in terms of a simple word, one mm. minute, is medication for stress okay. and trauma. Mm-hmm. But we always focus on the alcohol and the smoking and the dr- drugs, but we don't focus on the cause. Mm. And so that's another thing that's changing is our understanding of what drives these things in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's called ACEs. Mm-hmm. ACEs mean adverse childhood experiences and how they impact the brain's architecture mm-hmm. that lead to addiction and obesity later in life. Mm. And also depression, anxiety, and many mm. other things that we focus on. So for my viewers and listeners, uh, Serena, can you give me one or two ex- uh, examples of the, the early childhood experiences or ACEs? Yes, well, it's very well known. There's thousands of papers. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name, the founders of this field are Andrew and Fletty. They worked at the CDC in the US and Kai's Permanente in California. Mm-hmm. And there's a list of 10 of them and you can go online and find out all about them. Mm-hmm. And just Google Google ACE adverse childhood experience and there's a list of 10 of them mm-hmm. that you can check off a one or a zero and you mm-hmm. get a score wow. and they showed that that score out of 10 is highly correlated with you going on to get uh, certain types of alcohol addiction smoking uh, anxiety depression bipolar schizophrenia mm-hmm. uh, incarceration not being able to finish school life outcomes are are completely dictated by that number. Mm -hmm. And that's a game changer for my field because in terms of mental illness and mental health disorders, we always focus on the disorder and the pathology, Mm -hmm. but not the underlying causes. And and this is a societal thing and we never Mm -hmm. want to focus on the cause. We always just want to fix the person's problem. Correct. Correct. Wow. Wow. And uh, what role does genetics play? Uh, in addiction. I mean, people say that, you know, this is a very, very strong connection between genetics and addiction and obesity. Absolutely. Um, And it's not just that. So it's the genetics plus the environment combination. Mm -hmm. So you could be born with, and, and most people know this, they can look back on their grandfather, father, mother, grandmother, aunties, uncles, and and tell you the whole line of people that used to be addicted to alcohol or uh, or, or you know have diabetes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that you can see the strong genetics. But there is also other members of the family that have the same background history that don't go on to get mm-hmm. obesity or alcohol addiction. So that's the question to really focus on why is that? Mm-hmm. And and the and the key outcome and knowledge that we now know is that it's all driven by the parenting caretaking relationship where some people get buffered and protected more than others within one family for example and uh, what about the modern environment and lifestyle how is this contributing to the rise uh, in obesity and addiction (laughs) that's uh, that's uh very obvious, isn't it? So there's three, I would I'd say, I'd label three main factors. Mm-hmm. The loss of our tribal community and social connections. We're all becoming very individual. That's a really big factor, massive factor. Mm-hmm. The second thing is sedentary lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So people are sitting more, they're more on their phones. Uh, that's a big one, right? Being on the phone a lot means that you're not moving, but also you're getting more stressed out. And what did we say? Addiction is medication for stress. So that's a big one. And then mm-hmm. uh, diet. Mm-hmm. So the, the diet uh, in the last number of decades mm-hmm. has become laden with sugar mm-hmm. and high salt and processed food. Mm-hmm. And uh, any country that has that, in, in lots and lots and large quantities mm. leads to um, those things happening later mm. because sugar's addictive, salt's addictive, processed food, ultra ultra processed food really impacts the body. Mm. So you, you can see immediately that we're not using many factors in our society more to drive people's healthy 
mm. habits. It's really hard to stay healthy because you're up against everything because everyone's eating a lot, <laughs> drinking, you know, really large soft drinks. We used to have really small ones. People aren't out running around playing in the trees or being with their friends, eating down, sitting and eating together like we used to. There's mm. so many factors there that that just add up really fast to drive it. Correct. And based on all the work that you're doing, did you see an increase in addiction and obesity during the pandemic? Well, that's been studied too and show, there was a 25% increase in, wow. in especially in uh, adolescents or, or young adults between the ages of 19 and 25. My next question to you is that what role does mental health play in addiction and obesity and how should uh, treatment plans address these uh, psychological aspect you know there are a lot of what they call brain exercises which are really there are. well there but but when people think about that they think about crosswords and sudoku and um uh brain exercises on computers and writing and stuff like that no one ever thinks about taking a panoramic view looking out the window in the morning as soon as you wake up and knowing that you've immediately turned down the physiology in your stress system mm. We spend a lot of time thinking about meditation and all these cognitive processes to make people calm down. We don't teach people the really simple stuff mm. because people like really complicated things and they, people want to think it's really hard. Oh, yeah. But we now know that the brain is 40% untapped in its potential and most people aren't tapping into it because they've never been shown how to. And, and, and the reason why it's so hard for, for some people more than others is because of what I just talked about is early life experience, adverse childhood experiences, these things really keep people stuck. Mm. And to get out of that takes a lot of work. Mm. Amazing. And uh, what would you say, uh, Serena, are some of the most effective strategies for preventing and treating addiction and obesity? The first thing is uh, training your brain like a muscle. Mm without anything else. And in terms of really severe addiction, obesity, this is a completely different story. So when you're talking about people that are really addicted on the street or, you know, their whole life is in dysfunction, that's a completely different question yeah. in that, in that situation, that's at the extreme end, mm -hmm. that, that person will need assistance for detoxification uh, full on mental health services and all of those things. When I'm talking about what I'm talking about, I'm talking about prevention because if you at the, if you're at the state where you're getting a diagnosis, that means it's like treating someone that's had five heart attacks. Right. And we, we want to reduce that. We want to take that right back and show people that we can educate people. We can do things differently. We don't need to wait until mm. someone has these big diagnoses, which are really hard to then look after. So that's why I talk about brain health and fitness, meaning everyone has a brain. And when everyone starts to see that they're not training their brain, mm. why should someone else go and do something that they won't do themselves, Correct. for example? Correct. Correct. Well said. My next question is that how can we as society support individuals who are struggling with addiction and obesity? That is a brilliant question. That's such a brilliant question because it's so important that we look at this at the community society level and not on the individual. Correct. And, and that shift is the biggest shift we can take mm -hmm. to really change the direction that our societies are going in. Mm -hmm. So uh, an amazing filmmaker, uh, Shannon Swan, is about to put out a film called The Great Separation. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's about a young man who nearly took his life but got rescued and now he's now he's got one leg. Mm -hmm. And he goes on a journey to retrain his brain mm -hmm. so that will never happen to him again. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the centre of that story is all about losing connection. Mm -hmm. And so what he's been doing in his in his home, in his in his block of apartments and in his community where he lives in Australia is start talking to people and mm -hmm. starting to rebuild back that community and that feeling of connection. And this this documentary film shows this and I think it's such a great example of what we could do together. 
to rebuild our connections again because I can tell you now when you think about birds flying together Mm -hmm. right they fly together in big flocks Mm -hmm. but if there's one out on its own it's going to be eaten correct and that's exactly what you're asking how do we bring those 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 single people back into the flock to protect them which is what we used to do um, over many many centuries ago in different ways and some communities still have it don't get me wrong because they're really thriving communities you know they've been talked about a lot in the blue zones and all sorts of different books written on this subject but what do we do right now if you're listening to this to go and help somebody had go and help someone pull them back into your flock you can see that they're isolating you can see but you're afraid to say something don't be afraid they're they're more afraid than you are Mm. And they and they don't have the capacity to reach out. I can tell you a million stories of people that save people just by making that phone call, just by sending that text, mm. just by going around and knocking on the door. You you've say you can save someone's life, and totally improve their mental health just by those connections. That's how powerful connection is. It can't be understated the power of this connection. And I'm sure you've felt it too by running this podcast or I'm sure you're getting more thrill out of this than any business you've ever built Absolutely. in your life. Absolutely. You're so right. You're so right. And, you know, pulling your flock together is, is a very, very powerful uh, statement. Metaphor. Made. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's very, very powerful. I agree with you. Um, my next question to you is that based on all the work that you have been doing, what are some of the most effective treatments and interventions for addiction and obesity? So if you don't mind me uh, stepping back from that question yeah. and saying that, because you've got all these leaders and people trying to succeed in their life listening to your podcast, the best thing you can do is your morning routine mm. for your mental health. And I call it brain health because mm the number one thing that can make the biggest difference is starting to think of your brain like a muscle. Mm. Because at the moment we think of it as a problem. So when we start to now change the conversation where we, where we think brain health is everybody's business, not somebody else's problem. Because in the mental health game, you either have something wrong or you don't. Mm. Well, that's completely wrong. Mm. That is just completely wrong because that's just trying to make you, yourself feel good that, oh, I'm good, but they're not good. That's just not true because everyone has something right. and the brain is on a spectrum and every brain is completely different. Mm. We like to bucket each other into depression, anxiety or whatever, and that's just wrong. It's not true. Mm. And so in terms of an uh, someone listening to me right now, so in the morning, as soon as you wake up, as soon as you open your eyes and you're in bed, don't reach for your phone. Immediately use your eyes and look out the window and take a wide, wide panoramic view. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you're using your eyes and the visual neural circuit in your brain and turning down the stress system, which is driven top down to the amygdala. Mm-hmm. And if you think of that as training your brain like a muscle, Mm-hmm. and do it every day until it's an automatic habit and you're not thinking about having to do it, you've basically shown the plasticity of your brain and how it can be cha- changed. Mm-hmm. And you're also setting up your brain for the rest of the day for something good. Mm-hmm. Now, if you forget to do it in the morning, it doesn't matter. Now go and do it during the day. When you're at work and if you're in a little office somewhere dark, just take your eyes outside and take in a really wide view. And this wide view has been well studied. And this is the work of Andrew Huberman's lab. He's a famous neuroscientist at Stanford and many other people. Mm. And I find that if you can't do this one thing, don't try and change your life. Wow. Wow. And this is the thing about understanding the brain like a muscle. Mm. Why it takes so much effort, why there's so many self-help books, why no one's making any difference in their Mm. life. And even though they're reading everything, they're doing everything is because they don't think of this as a muscle that needs Mm. to be changed first before it can engage in counseling or reading or Mm. all of these things. Unless the brain's in a good space, it's not going to pay attention or learn or remember. So that's all I I, uh, challenge you with is that one thing. And if you can't keep that up for 
two days, let alone a week or a month or six months, then you cannot expect that your life's going to change. Amazing. How interesting. I'm going to start this first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, <laughs> and my last question to you, well, you know, based on what got you really started when you shared with you uh, your sister's uh, uh, case, as you look ahead, uh, what are your hopes and goals for addiction and obesity? And how do you see the field evolving in the coming years? My hope is that um, people have thriving minds and that then they will make the change right now as adults that they don't think they can make because the brain can change your whole life so that you can help the next generation and the next generation. So we don't keep repeating the cycles of the past mm -hmm. where we keep labeling people with mental illness when it's not right, when we need to start fixing the causes, which is societal and, and in the community, we need to reach out to, I would hope when by the time I pass that I've left this message in a way that's really, it's starting to take effect because I've been doing this for since 1989 and delivering this message of training your brain like a muscle since 2013. Wow. So it wasn't, wasn't only the pandemic that allowed people like you to interview me and other people and not be afraid to think, Oh, I'm a, mental health, you know, that's terrible. Whereas brain health, everyone needs a brain. And if you don't want cognitive impairment, if you don't want Alzheimer's, if you don't want all these things, you each person on this planet deserves an opportunity to be happy, healthy, and strong mm -hmm. by understanding the brain is not rocket science and you can train it like a muscle. Wow. wow. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Serena, thank you so much for speaking to me. You know, your comment, train your brain like a muscle, which is such a powerful statement and which so few people know. And I'm hoping all our viewers and listeners are listening to what Professor Bartlett has said, not once, but a few times in our conversation today, treat your brain like a muscle and train it. And the second thing, which is so powerful, which I promised I'm going to start from tomorrow morning is when I wake up, no looking at the phone, go out and look at nature, take it in and do it every morning. Because and, 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 you, and you don't need to get up out of bed. You can go to the window. So sure. make, make, it, make it as simple as possible. As simple as possible. But start to change the way your brain is perceiving nature, perceiving your life, rather than keep getting bogged down with my new email, my new WhatsApp, and who's called me last night. Thank you for talking to me. Absolutely. Thank you for talking to me such length about your own personal story, which is so powerful. Thank you for sharing it with me. Thank you for talking to me about so many different aspects of addiction, obesity, and mental health. Thank you You're again. And good luck. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals.